I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 countries stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Do it. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. N-E-X-T-I-V-A dot com slash 1-2-P-A-C to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice. With William Hills, Max Meyer, we are doing a simulcast, simulcast. We keep saying this, Rob, and then we actually don't put up the videos. I promise. Well, I actually I don't promise. I'm hoping this time that it actually works. How are you? I'm good. I mean, we are uh, in the midst of uh, charting some technical waters, and I think we've got it this time. So hopefully we'll have them Yeah, out. yeah. And, you know, obviously we've been able to get the podcast out. So if you're watching this on our Sharp College Football YouTube page, uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast, 12-Pack Radio. You can find it anywhere. Um, and follow us on Twitter at 12-Pack Radio. Rob has been cranking through, if you're listening to the podcast, a ton of really good videos. And I think the time limit on, time limit on them, Rob, are pretty solid. Like, you know, 15 to 20 minutes on each team, advanced stats. You're going through the schedules. Totally worth checking out. And um, and it's fun because you're not just doing the Pac-12 teams. You're doing everybody, right? Yeah, we've done. Uh, so to be honest, I'm, I'm running about 25 per team, if not a little longer for some. But, oh, okay. right. you fair know, enough, enough. Uh, that's no commercials. Uh, but the um, we have done 30, you know, 21 teams. We're into the 30s. We just did Cal uh, projected at number 30 last night. I'm going to do Penn State projected at 29 tonight. Um, and there's some really interesting in this range we're covering right now. You've got Old Miss, USC, Wisconsin, Penn State, you know, some teams that I think really have some upside coming into the year and are really interesting to talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we'll, of course, mesh a lot of Rob's numbers to these offseason or no, the preseason Pac-12. Is that coffee good, Rob? Didn't look, didn't look good. It's hot. <laughs> it, is, it is hot. <laughs> and anyway, the... the I've switched to drinking decaf tea at night to, uh, I don't know, drink a little less coffee than I was. So, and it's, uh, it's nuclear hot at the moment. So I'm, I'm trying to like cool it down. 
I got to get these shiny object things out of my out of my system as we go into video here. Um, well, all that to say, a lot of Rob's numbers we're going to be using uh, on the 12-pack radio podcast when we start doing the uh, preseason or the non-conference games. I think being able to have a good base of foundation for those teams are interesting. We just wrote an article on Iowa and Iowa's offense and how it's been holding back a golden age of Iowa football. Um, a little nepotism in the way of uh, success here. Uh, anyway, it's just really fascinating stuff. So check all that out, sharpcollegefootball.com and our YouTube page. Let's get into the reason for this episode, Rob. And we want to talk about Washington State football and Oregon football. As we get into the spring, one of the things to keep in mind at this point is we are not going to do deep dives in the entire roster. What we want to do is just cover the teams as they as they are either in the middle of spring ball or getting out of spring ball. And just the big questions we have on them. We'll do a little bit of roster diving, but like we'll save a lot of that for the fall camps when when a lot more things solidify. But I think and particularly, Rob, when we talk about Washington State, a ton of questions to ask as we go into 2021. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team, everybody in the Pac-12, it just feels like, I mean, we barely have any data on them. Um, and Washington State, it feels like we barely have any data on them. And, you know, you're talking about two new systems too, right? <clears throat> Nick Rolovich's offense, you know, Dickert's defense that he brought in from Wyoming. Um, you know, we didn't, I, I don't know that we got a great handle on the Cougs, right? I mean, there was certainly some exciting play from, you know, Jane Delora that gave you some hope that they were going to be, you know, decent to good. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know that anybody was a really great defense in the Pac-12 last season. So... I mean, there there were times like in the Oregon game where it felt like Delora had had some moments, but he also, I mean, they also had some struggles, but I mean, we expected that, right? I mean, like we talked about this a lot, like the, you know, picking up the run and shoot all the option routes and, and every offense in college football has op option routes, but the run and shoot is really option route heavy, picking all of those up, all that timing, they were really going to need some practice. Um, I guess the, what was interesting, if you recall, like, I thought the offensive line would have been worse than they were. I thought they were decent on the O-line last season, uh, to be honest. Oh, yeah, and and they return a lot of that. We can get into that. Abraham Lucas was a player that was possibly slated for the NFL. He comes back. Liam Ryan, I mean, like a lot of players back on that line. And one of the things that was our biggest, I guess, I wouldn't say red flag. It was more something that we wanted to keep a lookout for is as they transitioned from the air raid to the run and shoot, which are two completely different offenses, was that like you are a giant boulder, sir, and please, for the love of God, protect our quarterback, too. We're going to run a little bit more, and, and the, the, we're going to be a little bit mo more mobile. And I know it's interesting because when we talked about Washington State at the end of the year, I had said I was there were some bright spots. I, I thought that Jaden Delora did better than I had anticipated coming in as a true freshman, learning a new offense. Um, they certainly have some pieces, but I think one of the things, Rob, for me that was really worrisome is just the uh, the exodus of transfers out of the program. I mean, we're talking just to name a few: Roderick Fisher, Jamari Calvin, Cav Cassidy Woods, Tay Martin was a player I really liked. Yeah. Wide, those are all four wide receivers that saw significant time. Lamonte McDougal's gone. That the the defense. Uh, lineman that they got from West Virginia. He was a preseason All-American. Um, uh, Cosmos Quite. I mean, like a Aiden Hector. I mean, it's, it is a lot of talent. And it wasn't like they were pounding the pool to get solid players into the program. So really, this is build from the ground up. I'm curious if they can have that, whatever momentum they had coming into the year, if they can keep that going, given the loss of talent. And really, I mean, this sounds like an odd thing to say, but the biggest name that didn't get mentioned was, was Blake Mazza, their their kicker, who is a really should be in the conversation for the Groza, you know, is the best kicker in college football. And 
has in a lot of ways helped prop up their special teams the last couple of seasons. I, uh, you know, I, you know, and they graded out at number four overall in beta rank and special teams last year. They had a top 10 special teams the year before. Granted, all of last year's data with the Pac-12 comes with a small sample size warning. But, you know, but still, yeah. you know, Mazza moving on to SMU hurts. I mean, that, that one is one that could actually, you know, show up and, and really hurt them in a couple of games. Um, but yeah, the, the list of, you know, folks heading out of the program is quite long. Um, some of whom moved on, you know, they got two wide receivers that went on to uh, Mississippi State, of course, to, to follow the old boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're probably going to get more uh, passes there in that air raid. Although, you know, depending on how this offense shakes out, there was certainly a star for me. I'm mean, obviously the biggest question is the quarterback play, but Travell Harris was somebody I loved watching. I thought that they found a star in him and he like just took to that offense really quickly. Not a big guy, right? Like five, I think he's five, nine. That's what he's listed at. So who God knows how tall he is. It could be four feet for all we know, uh, but he is fast and he is fun to watch. And they do, re, you know, return like Renard Bell and a couple other players. But man, um, I mean, it almost the talent at this team, Rob, reminds me of you know, like the, better offensive line and probably a few better defensive players. But similar to the talent at Hawaii to start, right? I mean, I yeah, think this is a rebuilding project. Yeah, I mean, with the, I mean, with the real exception, I mean, if you talk about like Lewis and uh, or Lucas and and Borgie, you know, like those are two guys that you know, yeah. I mean. Um, and and getting to see Borgie this year, we didn't get to see him last year, right? And uh, you know, for the for the team that's going to run the ball more, uh, and you like to run the ball more, this could be they could be a lot of fun, um, you know, if they're really able to get it going there, you know. And, and Pro Football Focus, I mean, it was a, only the Pac-12 got such a late start that when the Pro Football Focus grades came out, Delora only had two games in, but they had him at twenty-four overall on those two games worth of tape that they had in for him. Now. I, I think, he, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the year, you might put him somewhere in the 40s. That's not bad for a true freshman quarterback in Pullman of all places. Um, so, I mean, I think there's I, I still like, you know, I, I still think Washington State is an, is, is a really interesting team. Um, you know, I think that the big question still, though, and we're used to having the offense really, you know, in the last two seasons, at least since Alex Grinch left really pulling the cart uh, up in Pullman, um, you know, is is the defense, right? I mean, they graded out at 86 last season in, in Dickert's first year. I don't have huge expectations that it's going to get turned around this season. I feel like it's like a two-year project additional to what we've seen, right, to, to really get them going. That, to me, is a, the big watch out for them is that I just, I'm not sure that defensively they're going to be able to put it together. Even, even though I, I think the offense, you could, you could talk me into seeing them as maybe a top 25 offense. I mean, I think that's probably their ceiling this year, but yeah, top 25 offense. I mean, I, I could see that. It'd be interesting to see what the quarterback fight is, right? You have Jaden Delora, uh, who, who has not transferred out, you know, he had the DUI yep. suspension. So I'm assuming if he hasn't transferred by now, he'll be in the mix. Uh, they have the Tennessee transfer. I think it's Gordon Tano is how, I forget how to pronounce his name, but um, not, not, I think Tennessee fans want to forget how to pronounce his name. It's <laughs> just how he's kind of run out of there. Uh, again, better quarterback than anybody in my family will ever be in their entire life. But uh, certainly um, maybe not, not the, of, of all the quarterbacks to bring into that system, it, it felt like that was kind of a meh transfer for uh, Washington state. And Cam and Cooper is a four-star top 10 quarterback he got a georgia offer in 2018 haven't really seen a lot of him 
but but you know, let's let's say they get that offense moving a little bit. I thought Deion McIntosh did a good job filling in for Borgie yeah. last year. I kind of thought he would be one of those four and a half yards per carry type of running backs. He was at six. I mean, right. like he was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they have. I mean, they, with McIntosh and Borgie, they really have good options. You know, it, you know, in the running game, and you know, they that in theory, you know, if they can get that part of the you know the offense going, might be able to open up more for them. You know, with the option routes, in particular, with some downfield passing, if they're able to pick it up. I, you know, I, I, I like. I still like this offense. You know, I mean. I like the scheme, the scheme of the run and shoot, right? I think it's a different look that you're going to get, in the, you know, nearly anywhere else in college football. Um, and I, and and I think, I mean, if you're Washington State, that's it. Certainly worked for you well enough with the air raid to have that. You know, whether they, whether you know, these guys in year two have enough reps under their belt still. I mean, because in a lot of ways, doesn't it feel like you know, for some of these guys, it's going to be like you know, like this is just an extended version of last year's spring and fall camp, right? That they never really got, you know, the full offense. I mean, I'd be shocked if they got the full offense installed, you know, last year by the time that they were actually in games. So, you know, I, I think this year almost counts as year one for Rolovich uh, in a lot of ways. And in in that case, like, I mean, I, I think it's fair to have, you know, somewhat, I don't know. I mean, you know, tampered down, tamped down expectations, I think for this Washington state team. Right. I mean, I, I don't, I, we, we didn't have huge expectations for them last year. I don't think we should necessarily have huge expectations again for them this year. And in particular with Mazda moving on, I mean, if they don't have a top 10 special teams unit again, like they're, you know, potentially falling down a little bit, uh, you know, in, in their overall rankings. Yeah. And let, let's talk about the transfer portal, the players they did bring in and the defense. Cause that is like you mentioned, Rob, the biggest, bugaboo i think for washington state fans in the last couple of years and then moving forward but let's do that right after this i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, we're back for people on radio. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio. Simulcast. Simul these tra these these transitions are going to be a little bit awkward. And just bear with us. Just bear with us. It's going to be good. Um we're going into Washington State talking about the defense, and I think that's the biggest issue. We talked about some of the departing the players. They did get into the transfer portal. They brought in a uh, inside linebacker in Ben Wilson, who was a four-star in 2017, uh, but he was third on the depth chart at, at TCU by the, by the time he left. Now, it is TCU. That's a really high-level defense, but I mean— Okay, you know, I, I feel like at least there'll be some competition there. They do have some pretty solid linebackers on their front, which is uh, which is interesting to me. So, like, I guess when I take a step back, I kind of wished, man, I wish they would have gone defensive line and secondary. They did bring in a kid named Christian Jackson, who was a three-star Michigan State player. Now he played five games in 2019 and started two before he left the team. So that's somebody that could definitely push. But that secondary, Rob, like the the two things, two things really really stand out for me the first is can they get any type of pass rush right. and if they can't i don't trust the secondary even if they could get a pass rush and now you have both of those they can give up a lot of points this year. yeah they've really struggled against the pass in the last two seasons they finished out at number 90 overall in beta rank at effective pass last season 
Um, you know, and they're they're going to have to you know just give up a lot fewer big plays than they've been giving up. Um, and you're right. I mean, it, for them to be in particular, and I, I mean, I guess I'd have to go back and look at how big the high school class they signed was. It feels like for as many guys as they've lost to have been, and, and as many guys as are in the transfer portal, it just feels like they haven't been active enough at potentially filling holes in this roster. And I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, you're talking about a, a pretty significant exodus of, of guys that were on scholarship that are now no longer with the program. Um, that's absolutely something to watch out for, for depth with this team. I mean, you like Wilson and, and, you know, and Jackson, those are two guys that are coming out of, you know, playing in, um, you know, that Mark D'Antonio quarters defense at Michigan state, uh, you know, and Ben Wilson playing in that, you know, Gary Patterson three, three, five, where the linebackers are expected to cover a lot of space. You know, I, I think that they are, you know, those are good pickups for Washington state, but uh, it does feel, it does feel like it's, it's almost like if you look at all these transfers out, it almost feels like they're going to be start like working under like an NCAA sanction that they got docked a bunch of scholarships for a year, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's the biggest, can, can they do, can they stop anybody? I think the one thing they have going for them is the secondary. They do bring back basically their starting corners from the nickel and, and all the way to the, the two major corners with Hicks and Watson. But I mean, that was, a, it wasn't like that was a secondary that was just blowing the doors off of people and like, you know, capping what teams could do against them, whether they were on the road or in person. I mean, the, the safeties, I, I, I like, I was bummed because I, I really came into the, I was really excited to do the Washington state preview because I was so excited about what I saw on the field last year. And, and I know that the results on win loss record didn't show that, but I did see some momentum in the program, but man, just, just looking at the roster now, like I, I'm way more I'm way more down on on what they can be this year. I really do think they're going to need to get some sort of influx in talent, whether it's a transfer portal or stepping up the recruiting. Um, I think the coaching is there, at least as, as promising as, as a coach on paper can be. It's it's there, but just the talent isn't. I think this could be one of the one of the I don't want to say the doormats in the Pac-12, but I think it's a team that can come up and bite some people. But I wouldn't be expecting like a 500 season in the Pac-12 if I'm a Wazoo fan. No, no, and and it's it is a it is a bummer because you could see that if they had a if they had a quarterback that you had a lot of faith in, you could see this offense becoming something. Now, I think the defense is bad enough that may not get you to better than four wins in the Pac-12. But it's I mean it's I think it helps that in the North. It's basically, you know, Oregon and Washington and then a bit of a gap and everyone else. Now, I, that does not say that Washington State is like, you know, knocking right on Cal's heels or anything, but they're not they're they're not exceptionally far behind, you know, some of the better team, you know, some of the mid-level teams in there. And, you know, it, it does sort of feel like it's going to be a, a fight to the finish between them and Oregon State, you know, to, to see who is, who is making more progress and, uh, you know, with this season in particular, but. I don't know. I mean, if if Delora comes back, I mean, if Delora comes back off suspension and he ends up being your starter, I think I I think I have a little. I might think they have a little more upside than if Garantano is your starter, but it's it's yeah. still. I mean, you know, I I, I hope I hope for I hope for Washington State fans because I still expect the defense to be bad. That the offense is good and in a fun way. <laughs> you know that <laughs> that you know you're probably you're gonna lose some games. You're gonna give up a lot of points, but you're gonna score some points, and it should at least make it kind of exciting and fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, and I'm excited to see what Max Borgie brings with the offense. That was what we were all excited about, and then of course the injuries and stuff. So um, he comes back, and again, Dion McIntosh behind him too. So that that will be super fun. And one of the things that was interesting, I was looking at the numbers. 
I was I thought that Macintosh would have gotten some passes in the backfield. He had two receptions all year. Oh, wow. You take a look at Max Borgi. I know it's crazy. Um, take a look at Max Borgi, and he had like 600 yards through the air. I just think that having that tool and moving him around. I think maybe we might be putting more expectations into him than than he, I mean he came back and said I'm going to be the best wide or running back in you know all of college football next year. Well, good luck with that. There's some really good talent out there in a lot of different <laughs> schools, but uh, but I I don't know. I think my expectations for Borgie in this offense are high, but not like through the roof. Just because um, I don't know, just just because like I think he's fun, but I don't think he's going to carry this this team to you know, to the, to the glory years this, this coming year, but certainly with you on, you know, if, if you, if your team is going to suck, um, it's, it's always fun if it sucks and the offense is good. That's definitely, here. that's definitely true. Like you want to be the, you want to be the team that kind of, you know, suck. Oh, Oh, I was just looking it up. Cause I was trying to remember, I am interested because, you know, board, you got a lot of passes in the air raid. I just went back and looked at Hawaii's numbers from 2019. They're, Running mm-hmm. back caught with the most catches caught a total of six passes in the in the shoot. So, oh, I I, I was trying to remember because I was, I, was, I think one of the conversations that we we had with with Burke on the run and shoot was that. But anyway, like in one of those, the the running back you know tends to stay in more to block, which feels like a little bit of a miss. You like I mean you feel like they should try to find a way to get him out there you know uh, in the passing game. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. Anything else in Washington State before we move on to Oregon? No, no. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll keep a lookout on them. Let's let's slide over to Oregon here, and just you know, you you open with Oregon, Rob, because I I um, ugh, that was it was the most frustrating year, and and like you know you look at the NFL, and they have two or three players that opted out that ended up you know going in the the top three rounds. Obviously, Panay Sewell was the first one, but you also had Brady Breeze. You had a um, the, the other cornerback not named Lenore, um, uh, just uh, Javon Holland. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a bummer because I really wanted to see that team play. Um, at the same time, they bring in a lot of talent, but my goodness, it just anyway, what what do you got on Oregon? Because I've just kind of. I mean, I think we should start um, with the good, right? Like, it. I mean, the good was that the offensive line was better than expected, given how much turnover they had. I mean, all, you know, five new starters with Sewell opting out. Um, you know, that that was great, I think, for them. That that means they're returning a lot of production. It was pretty good last year, you know, and you expect to continue to improve uh, with the emphasis that they have in their strength and conditioning and their offensive line coaching there. You know, and... I, I thought, I mean, the big disappointment was, was Shuck. I mean, in a lot of ways, right? Like there was, gosh, there were moments where he looked. Well, well, it was the defense. Well, no, I let's, mean, yes. Uh, I mean, on the offensive, you know I mean? But yes, as you're. There are many disappointments. The biggest disappointment. I mean, but this is true. I mean, this is true. I mean, uh, of Washington too. I mean, the defensive the defenses just weren't there last season in the, at the top of the pack 12. Um, you know, Oregon, we had projected as a number, you know, as the number four defense in the country coming in. Um, they finished at 22 overall and, and some of their, I mean, the, in particular, their, the game that stands out to me was that UCLA game. UCLA is playing their backup quarterback. He had a pretty good game, but more to the point, I mean, the ducks, you could just run on them. I mean, you could run, I mean, they struggled in their run fit. They struggled to get off blocks. It, they haven't, the, you know, the Reuters got a lot to clean up coming into this year, I think on, on defense. Yeah, they do. They, and they lose fat Matt, yeah. you know, he's gone. Although, um, uh, Popo Amalve, I think it's Amalvi, uh, is supposed to be pretty legit. I mean, obviously, I mean, they have, they have the, t- the, here's the thing with Oregon. I mean, like to say 
ton of talent yeah. on paper. I mean, and I think what you're going to see is like a bigger defensive line with Kayvon Thibodeau coming out the edge and just doing dirty, dirty, dirty things in the backfield all year. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, it seems like he wants to do that 3-4 with Thibodeau being really the feature uh, exciting player rather than eating up blocks on the line. So that'd be fun. Yeah. They bring Noah Sewell back. They bring Justin Flo. They have they have just just talent all over the defense. I guess the biggest question is: Was that lack of production? You know, what was that? <laughs> I guess that's the question. Was it just a funky year where they had a lot of players out? Because on paper, yeah, yeah, I know that things things were thin on some in some aspects with the uh, with the depth there, but still, like they brought in so many players that I really was excited to see whether they were going to be able to step up and, and do big things. And they didn't, I mean, they just flat out did not So I think this is more, you're trusting in this past year's class and this year's class to step up. And that's kind of leaning on a lot of, that's leaning on a lot of underclassmen to, to challenge for whatever Oregon is expected to challenge for this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were, uh, I mean, they, it is tough because you go through, you know, the the roster and you look at the stars by the players' names, and you just think, oh my gosh! Like, I mean, or I mean, and this is not, you know, this isn't the you know Chip Kelly Ducks, you know, where you're recruiting and and really developing. <laughs> I mean, well, recruiting with a small R if you're Chip Kelly, uh, <laughs> compared to what they've been doing since, of course, and you know that I, you know, they're they're. They do develop players in, in, in Eugene, but they also really rely on going out and getting players. I mean, their their linebacker group is absolutely stacked, um, you know, and you look on the defensive line, too. And I really, you know, uh, I, I think they have one of the better defensive line coaches, you know, in the league, um, you know, there in Eugene and, you know, great recruiter, great developer of talent, Joe Salovea, you know, I, 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 I expect them to be better. It's got to start up front with the line. Um, you know, getting there. I think they, I, I do think they have the bodies to play, you know, the, the three, four, um, you know, and, and keep Thibodeau and the linebackers clean, right? Like, I think that they're going to be able to do that and have some guys that can play two gap. They certainly have, I think have the size for that, you know, and, and Thibodeau, you know, he's been fin. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's some talk that somehow he's not deserving of all the accolades he's sort of getting and praise coming into this year. I think that's bananas. I mean, I think he's been really good. I think he's poised for, you know, without injury to have a really, really big year for them. Um, but, it, you know, for this, all of that, it's, it feels like it's still going to come down to execution. I think Jeruder is an excellent teacher, you know, and play caller. And I yeah, I expect them to be improved off of last season, you know, uh, off of where they were. Yeah, the, the defense could, to be very fair, I mean, and very, like, this defense could be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, just because of all of the talent they bring. I mean, even going from the the front seven to the secondary. I mean, there are top tier blue chip players all over. It kind of, the secondary almost reminds me of USC. Uh, was it last year, two years ago where it's like, Oh my gosh, look at all these players. Can they put it together? Yeah. And I mean that, but, but it's like that, not just in the secondary, it's in there in every single position on, on the, the defense. So they could put it together. And I love the Deruder hire. I thought it was a great hire for them. I mean, this could be an amazing top 10 defense, like no question. Or, or it's a young defense with some older players that couldn't quite hold it down. And, and now we're talking top 25 defense. And that would kind of, I, I don't want that, Rob. I don't want that. At well, all. and it does feel like it. And I, I, you know, last year, I think, I think you can really make a case that Brown should have probably been playing all year, 
That's not to say Brown doesn't have his issues, though, right? I mean, he definitely has some issues with his accuracy that he's had, you know, from his time at Boston College. He mostly takes care of the football, does smart things with it. You know, I, I think if you're, I think if you are looking at this Oregon offense, though, I really like Moorhead as a play caller. I thought it was a really great hire for them to go out and get Moorhead. You know, it's the kind of move that says you, you want to make an effort to really not just make the playoff, but win a playoff game. That said, he just, it doesn't feel like they really, I mean, you know, like with Brown in there as the transfer, you know, and shuck off to Texas Tech. I mean, Ty Thompson, you know, that's a, that's a big get, you know, Jay Butterfield's also a pretty good get, you know, for them that, you know, he's a four star, uh, I believe, <laughs> you know, they, they've got a loaded QB room, um, you know, and, but if, is it, is it going to be, I mean, it can Brown, I mean, I expect Brown to be your starter, does he put a, you know, does is Moorhead able to scheme around what his ceiling may be on accuracy downfield and put him in a position to distribute the ball in ways where like, you know, you could almost talk about it as like the way, you know, ASU schemed um, with Jaden Daniels to put the ball in, you know, in, in 2019 to mostly, you know, keep the, keep the passes short, get the ball into the hands of playmakers because Oregon has a lot of playmakers at the skill positions um, and then let them get the yards after the catch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about Anthony Brown more and this wide receiving core. Holy Moses. I mean, like it's, I mean, it's, it, that's like basically this entire roster. You look at every, every position, you're like, holy goodness. Like, oh my gosh. I, you know, Ty Thompson, you mentioned, you know, top three quarterback in the class period, not just pro court, like just, it's just all over the roster, but we got to take one more break. So we'll do it right after this. And we're back. We're back. Live cast, simulcast, um, talking Oregon offense. And uh, so I feel like I'm taking them. I'm super, I'm bullish on this Oregon team. I feel like in this show, for whatever reason, Rob, I'm kind of looking at it from a pessimistic standpoint. Just know that, I mean, I kind of dumped on like, hey, this is is more like if this defense is a top 20 to 25 defense, here are the things that would go wrong with it. So I do think that the talent that they're bringing in, the coach that they have, I, I I think they'll get there. Uh, I, I'm going to take the same approach here to this offense, though, because I think a lot of people are putting a lot of weight into Anthony Brown. And this is somebody that had a 59% completion rate his last year at Boston College, a career completion rate of 55%. And I remember the last conversations we had with with some Oregon S- experts last year where it was like we were kind of talking and questioning, all right, Herbert's gone. What does this offense look like now that he's gone? And and Shuck wasn't the answer. I mean, he was he was probably one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 last year, but the Pac-12 didn't Pac-12, have very many good quarterbacks. Stunk you know? Other than Davis Mills, the Pac-12 kind of stunk. In the land of the yeah. blind, Rob, right? The one-eyed, one-eyed man is king. Um, he leaves. So I just think that that puts a lot of weight into can Anthony Brown really, I mean, like he, the last memory I have him is fumbling, you know, a, a key run in the Iowa state game and like really blowing a chance to really come back there, but whatever, right? Like as one play and against, one a, game, good, against a very I good ju- defense. I, just, I mean, like that Iowa state defense is good. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. I, I, I guess I'm not like, I think Brown will have a good year. I think he, he does have a lot of talent. I just, mm, I, I wish, I wish there was some more, developed talent behind him that were in the system already. And and I think he's going to take, it'd be interesting if Ty Thompson took the job from him. I doubt it. I really do think Brown's yeah. going to be the guy and, uh, and Oregon's going to be the perennial, 
you know, Pac-12 gets another four-star player that didn't make the cut from Oregon, which is fine with me, you know, in the conference. I'm happy, happy that they, that we can transfer in conference now. But I don't know. What do you think about just are you bullish on the offense with a like that's the biggest question mark and it was last year too and it, it ended up being a problem no and it's frustrating because i feel like that's i mean if you look up and down at the talent you look at the play caller you look at you know the way the offensive line performed last year with you know the the amount that they had to replace and you just think coming into this year like man they could get it going and then you look at anthony brown and you think oh but will they <laughs> you know yeah. and i i just with him i i think there's a couple things to keep an eye on one is you know if you are asking him to throw down the field what do the turnovers look like um you know is he able to to do that if you're not asking him to throw down the field um, do they have enough and can they scheme enough to get around that? Right. And, um, I don't know. I mean, I think the running game could potentially be better than they were last year. Uh, if Brown has not usually been asked to do a lot with his legs, if he could add anything with his legs, uh, you know, in the running game too, I think that helps them. Um, I guess with it, I kind of wonder, and I, I want to really get a sense of too coming out of fall camp with Oregon. I expect Brown to be the starter, where is Thompson? Is he nipping at his heels or is he, is Brown really solidly in it? Cause I mean, I think I, I, I gotta be honest. I think Oregon could struggle a bit, a bit in the horseshoe against Ohio state that we talk. I, I want to see this defense figure out their run fit because they will not, they're about to face the best run scheme in college football with Ryan day, right? Like, yeah, Ohio state's replacing the quarterback. They've, I mean, they're bringing back some incredible wide receivers, um, they're bringing back human freak of nature, Master Teague. If you if just go look up Master Teague's offseason workout pictures and like, good grief, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it's like that DK Metcalf picture yeah. of him on the track team with like the five six white guy. Yeah. Like, it's just this is not fair. Right. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to be made like this. Yeah. You are you are a gifted, wonderful person. And the, and the Buckeye. <laughs> Enjoy him while he's on your team. Yeah, I mean, the Buckeyes have, I mean, we talk about Oregon's recruiting. I mean, the Buckeyes have recruited better, you know, than Oregon has. Um, I think think you could see, you know, a point in that game if, you know, if if they're struggling to get the offense going and they're down two touchdowns and Ohio State is able to run the ball, we could see Ty Thompson early, you know, like I – that's why I want to know in camp, like where it sits, because I think Cristobal was pretty committed to Shuck last season. I think he wanted a multi-year starter uh, in there and to develop Shuck and, and, you know, and, you know, that Brown really didn't get the shot last season. I wonder if Cristobal is going to stick to that this year and, and give Brown. I wonder if Brown has the same kind of leash that Shuck did, because Shuck made a lot of mistakes. Last. I mean, really, too, because I mean, you, you could see some things in Moorhead's offense yeah. that Shuck just missed, right? Like, I mean, missing an open man, missing a, you know, missing a throw um, that really came back to haunt them, you know, because there were some moments where you're like, oh, man, this could be fun. And it, it never was consistently fun. <laughs> for the Oregon offense. I I kind of wonder does does Brown have that same kind of long leash that that uh Shuck did? Because if he doesn't, I mean and if if Thompson's sort of nipping at his heels, I wouldn't be surprised to see Thompson play earlier rather than later next season. And even then, now you have a I know, true freshman and that's quarterback not... that's leading Oregon's offense. And I yeah, and I, I love 
I loved watching the scheme around Oregon last year, just like you were saying, Rob, where there he's moving people around, he's making creative play calls, and particularly on like third and five, third yeah. and six, just the things that Moorhead did were so much better than some of the other offensive coordinators in the conference. It just was like, for the love of God, be creative <laughs> like Moorhead. But 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 the offense was stagnant oftentimes because those connections weren't made by yep. Shuck. And the and the and there's just the execution wasn't there, so that could happen again with Brown. And now you're talking about an Oregon team that's scoring 26 to 28 points rather than an Oregon team that's scoring 40 points with a defense that could be pretty young. And I think this team will compete for the Pac-12 yep. championship. I think they'll be really really formidable throughout the year. But if if we're talking, is this an elite team? I think this is a team that's. That, that could be elite, but I need to see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think in particular, if you're talking about this team, you know, like the, the and, and we've talked, I live in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, we've talked about potentially being at this game in the horseshoe, which will be <laughs> humid as hell, as I recall from the last game I was at the horseshoe. Uh, you know, I was at the Oregon State game, uh, not the last, the last non-conference game I was at the horseshoe in. Um, sitting outside, my company has a box, and I occasionally get box seats, which is which is nice if you can get it. It's it's tough work if you can get it, <laughs> but the uh, you know the you know it's I think that could be a real tough because it's not Oregon just hasn't done it yet, and even with as you know the losses that you know Ohio State's going to have, and their defense really you know took a took a step back last season and struggled too. I just I think the offense is going to be rolling again for the Buckeyes. I think Ryan Day is one of the best play callers in college football. That's going to be something to to keep an eye on. I think is you know, you know what what and how does that game? I because Oregon feels like I mean if you're an Oregon fan, you know you don't want to be coming into this year and feeling like you're building towards next year, um, but you might be. You know, like and that's I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, and in that, I mean, what's tough is like in that case, like, do you just play Ty Thompson? You know, do you play Thompson and, and and take your lumps? You know, like, or if you're even, I mean, and it's like, what's the? Tr I mean, this feels odd to say for a team, but like, Oregon could play Brown all year, not be an elite team, not develop Thompson, win the Pac-12, <laughs> right? You know. Yeah. But the flip yeah. side of that is then you come in next year, Thompson hasn't played a lot, right? You're not like, you've got a, 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 you know, you've got somebody coming in that doesn't have a lot of experience with the rest of the team that may be well situated with a lot of experience to potentially make that jump to, you know, to compete and win a playoff game, perhaps. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that like, I, I, I think almost every coach in America is going to opt to win this year, you know, and I mean, if you have a chance to compete for a conference championship, I, I think they're going to do it. Um, but like I said, like, I just, I, I want to hear, I mean, keep an eye on fall camp, listen to the, listen to the rumors. I mean, don't get involved in the message boards, like read, you know, read the people covering, uh, you know, the, the team, but, you know, really try to get a sense of where Thompson's at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, in all that said, you take a look up and down the <laughs> roster C.J. Verdell, Travis Dice, Sean Dollars, running yeah. backs, right? Uh, tight end, Spencer Webb comes back. Uh, Cam McCormick, who had in injury issues, is probably back. He's, he was supposed to start at tight end the last couple of years. Um, Devin Williams, Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red, and then like a gazillion five-star and four-star players behind them. They've always recruited well at the offensive line. Mario Cristobal is an offensive line coach. It, th this is the same thing as the defense. This offense could be right. awesome, or it could be a top 25 right. offense, and Oregon is is... 
takes two losses into the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, because they're they certainly right now look to be you know in the range where if I mean let's 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 say for a second that we assume that you know ASU and UCLA and Utah and USC fall into that you know fringy top you know top twenty five to top fifteen team range, right? I don't expect any of them to maybe get higher than that. I could maybe see Utah getting there. Um, you know, USC, you could, you could talk yourself into with the talent, of course, you know, breaking in, maybe being a top 10 team, but all of a sudden, like, I mean, you had, they don't get USC this year in, in the non-conference schedule or in the conference, you know, the flip of the conference schedule, but there's going to be a couple teams on this schedule that are good enough that if Oregon just face plants, they could lose like they did against ASU, right? I mean, that year. Um, and this, you know, this ASU team will be better than the one that they lost to two years ago when they face planted in Tempe. I mean, that's the thing I think for this Oregon squad is like, they're not, they don't look to be so, they don't look to, even if they kind of put it together as, as, with their projection, they're not going to be so dominant that they can just roll against, you know, pretty good competition and turn the ball over three times. Like, you know, like they're not in that, like Alabama, like Alabama last year, even against most of the SEC could have turned the ball over three times and still won by two touchdowns, right? Like they could, they could win handily on their bad night, you know, in most cases, Oregon, you know, like I think, I mean, I think this game in Columbus is going to be a tough one. They might need to be plus two on turnovers in order to win that one on the road. You know, I I don't see him going undefeated in the Pac-12. I'm I don't necessarily know where I can pick and say like, oh, they're going to lose that one. But it's I, I think the Pac-12 has improved enough, and they haven't gotten to the point where they are Ill, I, I, the word elite gets taught. Like they haven't got to the point where they're elite to where you could say like, yeah, they're going to run the table. The Pac-12 South, there's enough teams that are good enough where if they're at home and they catch Oregon, or if they catch Oregon napping, they're going to be able to yep. knock them off. Um, with all that said, all, like. This Oregon team in the, in the coming years, if they continue to recruit at the level they are, holy goodness! Now we're now we're talking a team that's going to perennially run the table in the Pac-12, and maybe they get you know nipped every once in a while in a season because they're they have a down year. But um, it's good to have that. Like we were expecting USC to do that for years, and they yeah. just haven't. So Oregon really has taken that mantle, and which is great for the conference. Well, and doing it in a way that I think is a, a lot more of a direct challenge to what USC's sort of business model had been, right? Like the Chip Kelly, you know, years were you know kind of like marginal recruiting, and you know he he certainly had a, a scheme that put up points, and they had a good defense too. Uh, you know, I think you know you look at you know you look at this Oregon team and. I mean, they're going out and challenging USC for recruits, you know, you know, in Los Angeles and, and across California, um, you know, and I, I certainly think if you look across the staff, I mean, I think Oregon has done a little bit of a better job in, in filling out their staff. That is even with USC going and poaching Dante Williams off the duck staff. I mean, I just I, I like the the staff that, you know, Cristobal's put together a lot. Um, if he is able to get this, if he really is able to get this going, um, you know, and Eugene, you know, and the Pac-12 is almost left sitting there hoping that like, you know, Alabama hires him when, yeah. <laughs> when Nick Saban retires, you know, because uh, he'll have the, he'll have a little bit of a connection to Greg Byrne plus his time on staff in Alabama, you know, and he would certainly, you know, other than Kirby Smart be the most successful former Saban assistant, I think. And, um, but I, I mean, I think you're right. Like you look at the staff and, uh, the recruiting and the they put together and the the roster and you know the 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 skies are very very clear I think for this Oregon team you know for the future 
you know, there too. And it, it is come down, it does come down to like, you know, can, if, if Morehead can get the offense going, you know, and really dialed in, uh, you know, I, I, I think you're, you are, we are talking about a Pac-12 team that is able to get up there and, and uh, duke it out with Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama. Yeah, well, we'll keep a lookout for that. Um, the last one we have, Rob, is Wash or sorry, Stanford, Stanford, and Oregon State are the last two teams I think we have oh, right. coming up here on our our spring spring preview preview. Uh, <laughs> you know, not the full preview, more of a preview of the preview. Uh, anything else on Oregon or you know uh, Washington State? Two two diametrically different teams. <laughs> Well, it's funny because we've like the Pac-12 South. All of a sudden, feels like there's actual parity. You know that it's not just uh, Utah and USC. You know there, and uh, all of a sudden, the Pac-12 North feels like really top-heavy with Washington and Oregon and Cal. You know, somewhere in good-ish territory, and you know, not that I, not that the, the nice thing is the Pac-12 North. Nobody's really looks to be ter- Nobody looks to be like Arizona bad. Yeah. But there are fewer teams that you would say like might sneak into the top 25 and in, in advanced stats in the year. Well, we'll keep a lookout for those teams. Stay tuned next week when we do Stanford and Oregon State. Two fascinating teams, by the way. I'm just yeah. really curious to see what those teams look like coming into the year. Uh, new quarterback, same coaching staff over at uh, although although Pritchard has done a better job. Man, I was just I was comment like Davida Pritchard is sneaky is, is like in a has snuck up on me to be somebody that I feel like you you need to watch right uh, with what he's doing offensively. Yeah. On the defensive side though, uh, man, they need to make a change like yesterday. So yeah. uh, three years ago, actually, <laughs> but that is for another week. Um, so you you mentioned Rob, so you're doing you just did Cal. Yep. Uh, what are what are the Penn State's coming up next? Penn right? State after that is Ole Miss. Um, While you're doing that, Kiffin and Powder Blue, he looks good. He looks a, good. That's a great color on him. That's. I know for them, it just comes. And I was actually on a radio show in Mississippi today. Um, and we talked a little old mess and it, like that defense, like DJ Durkin was not a good hire for all of the off field stuff that followed him from Maryland, but really he wasn't yeah. a great defensive coordinator at Michigan um, either. So then you get Auburn, Indiana, USC, Notre Dame, Miami, Wisconsin, and then West Virginia. That's like that they're, they're, across those teams. You're talking about some teams that you can see with some upside. I mean, even Indiana, um, you could see potentially having some upside coming into this year. So it should be a fun one. Yeah. If anybody tells you we can't build our Power 5 program, just look at Indiana. <laughs> um, that that in Iowa State. I mean, I, the next article we'll write on Sharp College Football will be in Iowa State just because that's a team that, I mean, speaking of Oregon fans, I mean, they, they I thought they really showed that they were significantly not they were a better team, the better team on the field against Oregon and uh, and have a lot of pieces returning. The fact that I think Baderink has them as a what a top four team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not I mean, like advanced stats love the Cyclones coming in, um, but it they're also pretty highly ranked at a lot of human polls as well coming this year. I mean, really, you're talking about a top 10 team that just returns a lot. The one question you have is really because they're recruiting hasn't been you know isn't in the isn't anywhere near the realm that you're talking about with a lot of other programs you're putting a lot on development what is the ceiling for that development but man i mean you're talking you are talking about a team that was really good like sneaky you know sneaky really good in the in the big 12 last season i think if you took away that kind of fluky loss to louisiana where they 
turned the ball over and gave up two special teams touchdowns at home. Like people might be a little higher on the cyclones than I mean, like I say people like computers are high on the cyclones, <laughs> but like people might be even a little higher on the cyclones. You take away the Louisiana loss. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in modern college football, right. It's, it's the six teams that are amazing. And then there's like, like the one or two teams that are clawing their way up that possibly can make the playoff. Yeah. And I think Iowa state's like one of those that, that they're not going to win the title, but they'll have a chance. If they, if the couple things go their way, they'll have a chance to lose by 25 to Alabama. Right. So there's it's just the tough thing for them next year is like, man, Oklahoma looks good. Like Oklahoma with Alex Grinch, yeah. like clean it, you know, cleaning up that defense in the way he has. And then they were, you know, Lincoln Riley returns a quarterback. It feels like for the first time in like five years or so. Uh, and it just happens to be Spencer Rattler. Like, man, Oklahoma could be really good. Yeah, I already placed my bet there. It's like eight to one or seven to one or something like that. I figured that feels worth, low worth, worth a little bit of a change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. With that, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Sharp College Football 12 Pack Radio. We'll catch you next week. Uh, send any questions our way. Happy to answer them, whether it's on video. I mean, I know, Rob, you're answering questions all the time uh, or on the podcast. So uh, you know where to find us and uh, we'll catch everybody next week.